Hello, my friend. How was your week? Hello, my friend. Uh, my my week was okay. Uh, it is uh, we're you know right in the thick of the hot weather, so uh, you know trying to keep cool. Got the kitty pool out, uh, you know that type mm-hmm. of thing. Splash pad, those types of thing. But uh, a kitty pool is one of those like parabolic curves where it starts out at, at the beginning of your life being the single greatest thing that you've ever seen on planet Earth, and then you get a bit older and you're like ah. I'm too old for a kiddie pool. I'm I'm too I'm big enough for a real pool. And then you come out the other side as an adult and you're like, yeah, I just want a kiddie pool right it's now. It's not a kiddie pool. Yeah, because it's like it's the easiest, it's the easiest pool to maintain. You just dump right. out the water and fill it back out. You don't gotta worry about set anyway. Um, but uh so yeah, and we're uh, you know, two full weeks essentially into having a two-year-old. So um so have experienced the I mean the terrible tools. Terrible twos are real. Um, there have been some pretty, not that it started, you know, right at two, you know, anything like that. But, um, but um, my, what's my daughter- the single most terrible two thing that you encounter? Like, what's the one thing that you've noticed that has developed now that wasn't there, you know, let's say six months ago? I feel like it's the um, it's the emotional response to things. Mm. So it's just the full on tantrums, you know, whereas something would just be like, oh, like, no, we can't do that. We're going to bed instead of it being like, oh, it's like a 15 minute ordeal where like (laughs) body parts are being thrown on the floor. um, (laughs) Lots of screaming happens, uh, you know, and that type of thing. And that's when you kind of just sit down and you're just kind of like, all right, well, you let me know when you're done and, uh, and we'll go from there. Um, so uh, I think I, it's really that, I think it's just that as part of that, as the emotions and, and that, and not exactly knowing how to deal with them, you know, starts to really happen. And of course, now that they are too, you know, they're, I mean, they're tiny humans, right? So it's not like they're toddlers that just, uh, or excuse me, like uh, newborns that just, um, you know, rock back and forth and cry in their bassinet. It's like, nope, they're mobile and they can throw things and, um, you know, everything in the house can be a weapon and, uh, you know, and the toys, <laughs> wow, that escalated quickly. To- toys can get spilled and, uh, you know, all that type of stuff. So, uh, the messes are, the messes are greater. Uh, mm. but I could totally see that cause you're just adding strength, right? I mean, you're, it's, it's similar. Well, I shouldn't say similar mental capacity, but you know what I mean? Still yes. quite sub adult human capacity, but a doubled muscularity, you know, where Lego pieces now become projectile bullets. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, they, 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 they grow a cannon real quick. All of a sudden it comes out of nowhere and I want to be proud, but also scared at the same time. But especially uh, your daughter, four seam fastball down the middle. Absolutely. Now she'll probably have a two seam tailor off to the side. So yeah, she's going to have movement. Uh, but, um, but with that has also come a little bit of independence, which is nice. Um, so there's those moments where like, you want to be proud because they're like trying to be independent, but they're doing it all wrong, but it's kind of adorable. Um, and that kind of came to a head actually this afternoon. So um, I had just gone to the bathroom, wash my hands or whatever. My daughter was like, oh, Dada, you know, wash, wash hands, like wash hands. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And she's like, okay. And so she like goes into the bathroom or whatever. And I should have noticed it at the beginning. I was like, she can't reach the sink. <laughs> oh, no. And all I hear is the splish splash <laughs> of toilet water. <laughs> And she's just like slapping the water and then like rubbing her hands together. Uh, yeah. It, again, like I was like, I couldn't even be mad because I was impressed, but it was also so disgusting. 
Um, I mean, empty toilet, but I mean, still. Uh, and so then we went and actually washed our hands and we had a, a quick conversation about this is where we wash our hands. But those where I just like couldn't, I like, I wanted to laugh so much, but it was so gross. I obviously couldn't be mad. I wasn't, but it was just so, yeah, my daughter washed her hands in the toilet today. Um, so, so good. Dads, That's if you're so out there, uh, just because we have a podcast doesn't mean that our daughters don't wash their hands in the toilet. So, <laughs> so that was kind of how my week uh, culminated, I guess, if I can call it that. But I guess I mean you'll take it over the opposite, right? It's it's better than a poop in the sink. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would one hundred percent. Well, no, yeah, I'm gonna take <laughs> I'm gonna take hands hands in a clean toilet over having to clean a poop out of the sink. Yes, I will take that. I will make that trade if I have to, but yeah. Right. So, um, but uh, what about you? How uh, how has your week been? Uh, it's been really good, my friend. Monumental uh, moment. We um, this week we switched to uh, solid food, so we're doing the purees Whoa. and the rice puddings and. Oh, I can't wait for your diaper change story. Yeah, I know. So that just started a few days ago. Um, very first feeding, you know, a little bit messy. I mean, every feeding is messy. First sure. feeding, the very first taste got a little bit of a, of a, you know, the face of like, what the hell is this? What, what poison are you giving me? Um, but then from there, it's been a joy, you know, she's honestly like loving it almost like playtime. Um, so we'll see how it goes. We still got a long way to go. I mean, we're really just kind of at the taste it and play with it type of stage any like initial well. like initial fan favorite so far that's something that she like say, actually enjoyed that you I mean, were like we're, huh. we're quite genuinely on the third day so i i mean i just think we're a bit too early we've done rice pudding and pureed peas um and she seems to like both so we'll see we'll see what was right your on. favorite uh, like your daughter's favorite um for whatever reason my daughter loves fruit um so anything fruit flavored um continued up right until you know at, at every meal that we have she has like a fruit so either like blueberries cut up strawberries watermelon um she loves blackberries super oh, random choice, i don't choice. even know why a little bit um, of the acidity to it maybe perhaps yeah so she so fruit for whatever reason with with my daughter was where to go um and avocado um wow so surprising uh, a little bit. So my my wife and I always joke that we're just like, oh, she's yep, she's a white girl, all right. You know, just got her <laughs> avocado, like whatever. But but we also were encouraged to offer that because um, our daughter was a little bit, still is a little bit on the petite side, and so mm. and I know you're mentioning with uh, with your daughter, you know, like the ins and outs and weight gain and the avocado, sure. very healthy but also fatty food, Calorie you know, dense. The, yep, exactly. Absolutely. So um, so we were encouraged to do that, and thankfully she loves it. So we. Uh, we, um, you know, dice up some avocado or um, that type of thing. It's smart. Them. Quite, I think, you know, easy texture as well. You sure. Know, uh, for like not too far from from pablum or other things like that. Yeah. So that was that. Th those are probably the things that we noticed. But uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see what. Uh, yeah. What foods your daughter ends up loving. It'll be it was always well, kind of a fun experiment. <laughs> on that note, my friend, what do you think? You want to get this thing started? Let's load it up. Load it up. Now 
never write with a broken pencil because it's pointless. I'm Christian, that's Chris, and this is another episode of the Dad Joke Loading Podcast, an episode about two best friends living across a border from one another, uh, both with daughters trying to fumble our way through fatherhood, one story, and one dad joke at a time. Um, so Chris, I... So before we got on uh, the episode today, uh, as I mentioned in a previous episode, uh, that we did the thing and purchased the Peloton. Um, mm, so I yes, was doing yes. my, um, you know, my my Peloton workout. Um, uh, hashtag dad joke loading pod if you want to find me on the Peloton. Uh, but um, one thing I've noticed is we got so we 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 initially got the Peloton in February. Now. I'm sure this makes sense to you, but working out in February, you get a lot less sweaty than you do working <laughs> out in June. And so I'm finding really that I'm just like, I am just drenched in sweat and, but, but seemingly doing less exercise. And I'm like, I feel like this should be the reverse. Like, I feel like I should be able to do more exercise before I get sweaty, but no, it's because now, you know, it was the middle of February and now it's the middle of June. So you know, I am working out in the summer heat. So it <laughs> is, it, so it, it becomes a much less pleasant experience um, from a sweat perspective, much quicker. Um, so, <laughs> but, but you get that extra bonus of like, we've all been there where we've, we've done a workout where we're not really giving 110%, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a leg day, you're phoning it in a little bit and you think, God, I'm, I'm not sweaty yet, you know? So you just start doing jumping jacks because you think I got to feel like I worked out. Now you barely, you just have to huff and wheeze your way onto the Peloton seat and you've already had a workout. You're dripping. Yeah. I basically just had to like pick the class on the thing and I was already like, you <laughs> know, I was already, that's it for today. I was already <laughs> dabbing myself with the sweat towel. Yeah. It was uh, the Gatorade. basically uh, the, the bath, like, you know, the bath when they <laughs> yeah. win the championship. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, the, the reason I was bringing this up is because my wife and I both used the Peloton and typically what we find happens is that when one of us is on the Peloton, our bike is in the living room, the other one is watching TV, typically, because we kind of, you know, use the machine checks one out, after the other. Out. We can only really um, use the bike once our daughter is asleep. Um, so it's either really early in the morning or evening. We typically pick evening because we like to hit the snooze button. So then we're both using it in the evening. Anyway, so typically... One, whoever goes first, the other one sits down and watches TV. But that means that they get control of the remote mm. because they're already seated on the couch, right? And a special so, moment in any marriage, really. I'm, it's, I'm surprised it's not included in the wedding vows. You know, I will, I will offer you the remote at even when my show is on. Right, is love. And so, but what it got me thinking about is, my wife loves to watch just some terrible tv shows and has definitely i won't use the word forced um but has definitely um i wanted to say coerced that sounds just as bad <laughs> um suggested it would be a good idea that i watch some of them with her you know to do mm. something together but they are just just terrible tv shows <laughs> And so this got me just thinking about that very concept. You mentioned the wedding vows of, you know, in sickness and in health, uh, you know, for HGV or for Food Network, you know, or whatever the, <laughs> that, that gets to be, which got me just thinking about the, um, the sh TV shows that our wives love that we can't stand. 
Um, but then also ones that we've actually kind of grown to like a little bit. Um, but the one that got me today was uh, my wife loves her some hoarders. <laughs> and I would rather cut myself out of my own skin than watch that show. And it is it is it is just terrible and she'll be like there's just eight more minutes i like i sometimes have to go into the other room like i just yeah. can't oh, i yeah. i just can't like it's I, like i am picking up what you're putting down here i this speaks to me Kristen. okay so then what show is it that your wife well we'll start there what show is just that your wife watches is just so cringeworthy that you literally have either like had an argument about it or you just have to go do something else yeah i i mean absolutely category b i you know the there's certain shows that come on and I, I feel an anger and it's not an anger, you know, at, at my wife or the world. It's an anger at the the people on the show, mm -hmm. you know, and you start to get riled. I guess I should first preface this by saying, um, you know, my, my wife is uh, an angel who watches, you know, like I'll get up on Sunday morning and be like, honey, uh, you know, is it okay if I have the TV? I'm just going to put a soccer game on. She's like, oh, great. You know, it's a Toronto FC. Yeah, I'll, I'll grab my uh, grab my jersey. No, no, it's um, it's uh, Rotherham Huddersfield in the second uh, division um, for a, a 17th place um, game. I, you know, I'll just see myself out, actually. <laughs> so with that caveat, um, you know, that we watch our equivalent of terrible TV, but sure. just in a very different um, category, um, I, I got a real hard time with Real Housewives. You know, mm. I understand it's a very popular series. It spans, you know, multiple different cities. Um, but the thing that that starts to to grind and that, you know, really starts to churn in me and I just have to excuse myself from the room is the like drama and anger between friends. And I don't know if it's as a Canadian or just our personalities or our friend groups. I mean, you and I have maybe had a couple of mild tiffs in our life, but if, if there's no like intense or forced drama in any of our friendships, you know? Well, the thing that I that you bring that up is. And, the, and you mentioned those types of shows is it's one of two scenarios in my mind, which is it's contrived, which I mean, mm -hmm, I mean, it, mm -hmm. all of reality TV in some level is contrived, yeah, you know, it's sure, scripted in, in, in subject um, or their relationships are just actually pathologic. Right. Absolutely. Like, well, so, said. yeah. Absolutely. And so it's and neither of which are good. Right. So we're talking about like it's either. They're making it up, in which case it's not actually reality TV, but we know that reality TV is rarely actually reality. Um, or their relationships are actually just that pathologic or borderline abusive right. um, that they uh, that they think that that's normal. And, and it almost starts to burn into you thinking like you look at people watching the show and you think like, please, please don't think this is normal. Please right. don't think that this is These, okay. Yeah. This is not how humans actually interact with each other or treat each other. And right. like, and I get it because uh, my wife does watch, uh, although I don't think she watches real housewives specifically, but she's definitely watched those types of shows. Um, but, uh, but like you're like, and not that my wife would ever believe this because that's not the point of the story. But like you said, like people clearly believe, well, I mean, society in 2021 has showed us that people will believe just about anything. But um, that that's actually human interaction. Like that is, in fact, real when because they're like, right. oh, it's reality TV. They're actually it's their actual lives. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no, it's not. 
And like, that's not how actual people treat each other. It, so. it gets it gets me on um, another program that I'll mention briefly, which is one that I'll, I'll you know, I have a bit more of a, a more complex relationship with, which is the Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise uh, series. So can you hear an eye roll? <laughs> I feel like everyone just heard my eye roll. Yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, so the. You know, it's it's multiple different programs that have are framed in multiple different ways, and so I would. Well, say I feel like doesn't like doesn't like one contestant on the Bachelorette just become the Bachelor, and then it. one contestant just becomes like don't they just flip flop back that and is forth? Exactly right. And in Bachelor in Paradise, they take like a selection of guys and girls. It's the All Star Show. Yeah, career. it's the All Star yeah, Show yeah, in basically. bikinis, basically. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, there are times where I have watched the show and, and kind of followed along with it throughout the season. And there are on large purpose? moments. I'm sorry? On purpose? Yeah, on purpose. On purpose. Yeah, I, I know. Hard to believe. We're right? about to have our first major tiff on the show, I think. <laughs> I know. And how could I have watched that when I missed the Cardiff City-Swansea City game? Good Lord. Um, so the, uh, the, the thing that I find easy to watch with the show is when they go on dates together, you know, and it's the guy and the girl. And, you know, today we're going to, we're on a hot air balloon ride and there's no drama. And of course, you know, it's partially scripted and, you know, you, you kind of have to suspend your disbelief uh, momentarily, but you think, okay, I mean, this is tolerable. It's a rom, it's a romantic show. It's just two people going on a date and being like, maybe I could fall for this person. There's nothing that rises up any anger in you, but then the next scene will be this forced argument between three different people completely created out of thin air and someone will show up from off the show and you'll hear people be like, well, why would he have come here at this time? And all I can sit there and think it's because the producers asked him to. There, There is no reality there. So I have a bit more of a complex relationship with that one, I'll have to say. I, I um, the reason why I could never get on board with that show in any fashion is just because the idea of just like 15 people competing for the infection of affections of one individual. Again, it's either contrived yeah. or it's pathologic and I'll argue yeah. it's both. And well so said. even if you win, even if you win, you won because you competed and won the game. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, anyway, um, as my uh, as my wife will often say during the you know the later episodes in the series when things are starting to get hot and heavy, I'd be like, but she just kissed a guy, you know, five minutes ago. Why is she kissing this guy? How how could she say she loves him? And I mean, you know, it's true. You think how can you say I think I'm falling in love with this other person when you literally just five minutes ago said you are falling in love with that other person? That's not love, and it's not setting a good example for what love is either. And then, at the, and then you wonder why, like clearly, even though at the end one person wins, like they never stay together, and it's yeah. because, like you said, she based that he or she, whichever you know, bachelor, bachelorette, were basically like fell in love with four different people. Yeah, and they just true. had to pick one. It's true, and they rarely pick right. Now I got to say, the only thing that. Uh, got me enamored with uh, The Bachelor was when The Canadian Bachelor first happened. I mean, we were in high school, I think, when it happened. And oh, easily, Jesse Palmer, yeah. quarterback from Ottawa, Ontario, was the first, I think, Canadian Bachelor. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this all wrong, and we're going to have one of our uh, Bachelor-loving viewers angrily write into us. But um, uh, Jesse Palmer, 
uh, now of uh, of TSN fame representing the O-Town. So that All right, well, Jesse Palmer, uh, that's a good transition, actually, because I was going to ask you, are there any shows that your wife watches that now you are also completely obsessed with? Yeah, well said. Yeah, and so absolutely. Jesse Palmer leads me into, um, now I'm drawing a blank. Oh, man. I, I want to say he does... He does one of the baking shows. He's yes, the host. Um, and I yes. want to say it's the Christmas one. Yes. Uh, it's like Halloween Bake Off or Christmas Bake Off. Christmas, Christmas Bake Off. Christmas yeah. Bake Off, I think, is the uh, is it. Um, and so that is a show um, yes. that I have also uh, fallen in love with. And I don't want to. Um, and I never want to. But then my wife will get about three episodes in and I'll just be like, oh, she used too much cinnamon in that. She's going to be like, and I make some dumb comment and she looks at me and she knows she's got me she roped in. You in. Yeah. She's already sucked me in. And that's, so that's one of them is those like baking shows. Um, I'm, I'm all for that. Your wife looks over and all of a sudden you're not looking at your phone anymore. Your gaze is up and she think, you know, you've, you're with rapt attention. Take it out of the oven. You got to take it out of the oven. It's going to, it's going to crisp on top. She's got you hook, line and sinker. I've I've never made so many comments comments about like a, a genoise sponge, you know, in my uh, you know, in my uh, in my life than I have since uh, since I started watching the show. Okay, Chris, mm. love it or list it. Great British Bake Off, love it, like love it, love it to the point where I would watch it alone in the house by myself. It is so good, um, and again, um. Netflix series, you know, it came on and I'm just like, really? Like, we're going to watch just a bunch of like British people in a tent, like bake stuff. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, hook, line and sinker yes. from the beginning to the point where we have rewatched the competitions multiple times yeah, um, because they are just so good. And to the point where um, we use their terms in our normal vernacular now. So like when my daughter has a wet diaper, I've definitely said like, nobody soggy likes bottom. a soggy bottom. Yeah. <laughs> yep. you, uh, I've 100% you I, done that. You and I are going to get to, once the border reopens, you and I are going to get together for a, a weekend and our wives are going to be like, well, you know, you have fun watching football and uh, bring a 2-4 down and it'll just be you and me in the living room burning through episodes of Mary Berry and Paul Hollywood. And, and just, yeah, we'll, and we'll just be just like, shh, 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 the technical's on. Like, <laughs> there is something very special, though, about the way that that program is produced because you can flip back between that and the Food Network. And there's a lot of reality baking shows on the Food Network that, admittedly, I also watch, also get into. But I way prefer the British Bake Off. And there's it's because they're about, actually friendly. They're so friendly. And I've noticed when they come into commercial breaks and come out of commercial breaks on the Food Network, there's more of that sort of forced drama. The music is very it's intense angst. and down. And there's like conflict on the show where some of that happens at the British Bake Off. But there's a lot more lighthearted airiness to it. Well, it's know? because here I'm going to kind of just act out here, kind of coming back from commercial break on a couple of these things. And you tell me which one is which. So uh, the first one is dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and the second one is like right like that's yeah. those that's the difference like you said when chopped comes back from commercial like you you think that you're in like the gladiator <laughs> arena yeah right I know. but then yeah. when they come back from 
to the Great British Bake Off, it's, yeah, like you said, it's just this little light, airy music. Um, you know, the chirping of the birds on the English countryside. Oh, that pastoral green countryside. Yeah. Beautiful. And so then you're just like, you know, and then there's just some English, you know, quick English humor that comes in. The hosts of that show, Noel, um, just so good. The most yeah. recent one they had, um, uh, I remember him as Toby from the episode of Community. Yes. Um, Inspector Matt, Con- Matt, Matt something. I'm going to forget it now. Yeah. The the lady that he replaced, uh, her name is Sandy Toksvig, Toksvig. Um, and she's actually a host of another great British show uh, called QI, which is a kind of a combined trivia and comedy show. Anyway, just two, two of, of my great passions meeting, which was a nice moment. Um, and so, the, and so to, to the point where now also like for Christmas this past year, um, my gifts to my wife were a hoodie that said Star Baker. <laughs> um, uh, a t- a t-shirt that said ready, set, bake. Um, and then a coffee mug that said, have yourself a Hollywood handshake. Oh, wow. So you that's why I was the trifecta. Well, there. it's that because we, great. it's, you know, when you go through, like, you know, you watch the office start to finish or like, you know, you watch your show. Start to finish. We had just finished a watch through. I feel like of all eight seasons of the great British bake off. Right. Um, and so then it, that's right when it was like time to go on Etsy and buy the Christmas gifts, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm going to build off that a little bit because like, you know, like you, I've um, also fallen in love with cooking shows, never, ever watched them before. Uh, my wife introduced me and I'm very much uh, in love with them, but I'm going to talk about a show that I um, absolutely thought I would hate that. I thought that I was going to roll my eyes at and be like, why am I watching this? Um, and that is a Netflix show called Skin Wars. So what it is, is it's a bunch of amateur artists who uh, basically do body painting, you know, and there's a wide variety of types of body painting. They have to make standalone art. They have to do other kind of technical challenges, like blending people into the background. And I was like, this is a glorified makeup show. What am I doing? Why am I watching this? And I got so into it because bottom line is these are incredibly talented artists who are like so much more talented and it's a visual medium. So it goes so well on TV because of that, because you're seeing these incredible colors and and pieces of art come to life. Um, I I think there's only like three seasons or or something like that. Um, But we've watched them, I think, twice through now. And I fell in love with Skin Wars. Great show. My my wife also has watched all of those. And I will admit, maybe not to the same extent, but I 100% agree. I was looking at this and like you said, I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like this, like Netflix has run out of stuff to do. Right, Um, right. But then I found myself like, and it's not a, I will admit visual art is not um, a medium that I appreciate. Um, uh, Meaning that I... Personally, as as has been mentioned multiple uh, multiple times, I'm more the musician type, right? Audio, audio, right? Then, uh, you know, I could close my eyes and I I would rather hear music. That's the art form that moves me the most. Your Um, your favorite art form is touch. Hey, oh, baby. Um, But I. So in that standpoint, again, I not that I necessarily appreciate it, meaning personally, but you're right. They are so unbelievably talented at what they're doing. I don't know why I remember, but I remember the one, I think it was in a supermarket and they all had a different part of the supermarket and they had to blend them in to like the place where they were. Um, And it was like unbelievable that this person could just like literally their model like had to lie on top of the vegetable section. 
Yeah. And then they just like blended them in and you're like, holy crap. Unbelievable um, talent. Yeah, unbel- yeah, you're right. And then you get like sucked into the, the stories of the of the yes. contestants. Right. And so yes. then and then once that hooks you in, they've got their teeth in you. And then now I've got to come back because so and so who, uh, you know, grew up at this point and, you know, is trying to get the win so they could get a bursary to go to art school. Right. Like now I'm rooting for them. I don't know and why, di- but I just am different types of artists too you know like i think the first winner was i hope this is spoiler alert if you're watching this um it was like a classically trained artist like visual media you know went to university the second winner was a graffiti artist with no formal training and then i think the third was a makeup artist so they have like all these different backgrounds and what unites them is just being skilled you know being able to adapt as well you know to a medium that they're not necessarily used to which is uh, really cool because they're adapting as you're adapting it'd be like if they took the great british bake-off and were like okay now we're going to take the 12 best bakers in england and you all have to make sushi you know, and it's like kind of stretching their minds that way. Okay. Now, Chris, speaking of uh, skin wars and you just mentioned kind of like visual mediums and art and things like that. Have you ever heard of a show called Making It? I've heard of it. I've definitely heard of it. I, I can't say I've ever seen an episode, though. Okay. So it is Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman. Oh, great combo. And- so is this Parks and Rec? I've seen Parks and Rec. No, the- <laughs> I wish it was Parks and Rec, but it's the two of them and it is, uh, I believe they're actually making season three that's going to be dropping in July. And it is essentially a um, a show that is a competition, but it is like DIY crafters. And so they make, uh, you know, they're all themes. And like one of the episodes is always, they call it the, the shed episode. So they give them this, <laughs> they give them this shed, you know, just a shed that you can buy at like Home Depot or whatever. Right. And then they have to turn it into something, but it's all like DIY. So there's like small woodworking mixed with crafting, mixed with paint, mixed with like all these types of stuff. And so um, my wife and I are, are kind of DIYers. You know, we did um, a lot of the home reto on our house. Um, we did um, ourselves, not the like major electrical, nothing like that but i mean like the um you know maybe smaller projects so my wife found this and of course i mean honestly if amy poehler and nick offerman are hosting anything i'm probably gonna watch it (laughs) and my Um, understanding correct me if i'm wrong christian but nick offerman much like his character ron burgundy on parks and rec i understand is in real life a woodworker ron swanson you what changed, about you, Ron Burgundy? Oh yeah. my goodness! You know, you know yeah. who I'm saying. Ron, Too Ron many Swanson. mustaches and bouffants. Yes, you know and but yes, he is actually a uh, a. I, I don't know that he would necessarily call himself a master craftsman, but yes, he is. Uh, he very much would probably make his own canoe, much like his character <laughs> uh, on the show. Um, but anyway, if you could find it, making it because that's another one uh, that my wife uh, got me got me hooked on. But I'm into uh, it. I'll check that out. It's it, and then of course it's just the comedy of the two of them, right? That right is. That's just is it is it is perfect. So, um, all right. Well, then to close out this particular segment of the show, Chris, I thought that we would just do a little quick kind of rapid fire here. Um, but Beauty. it's more of a it's more of a this or that. So I'm going to give you okay. an option um, of trashy this, uh, team. This no that ah shit I can't decide. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, that you have to basically decide if you had to pick between one of these trashy TV options, which you would pick. So this is going to be a this or that version of rapid fire. All right, so just as it comes to you, first thing that you have to pick, you got to pick one or the other, okay? Um, So the first one is if you had to pick a cooking show or a home reno show. Cooking show. 
Ooh, okay. All right. Then uh, follow up. 10 points? Do I get, okay. I'm at 10 points. You're at 10 points. Then follow up question. Would you rather watch Chopped or Beat Bobby Flay? Ooh. Two great ones. Two great, two that I genuinely enjoy. Bobby Flay is like Skin Wars to me. Somebody who I thought I would absolutely hate going into it for like the first 15 minutes. I just, you know, hated Bobby Flay. And now I think he's a great guy. I mean, I don't know what he's like behind the curtains. Again, listeners, tell me if I'm wrong. But uh, he just seems like a great guy. I'm honestly going to have to go with Beat Bobby Flay. I think I like Chopped for the cooking more, but I really like the kind of laid back, nobody hates each other, everybody's friends on Bobby Flay. There's no drama there. It's just, you know, just genuine fun. And he does lose sometimes, which I appreciate. I, I got to think that he's, part of me thinks he's got to be a pompous asshole. I mean, <laughs> I like know. when you're an iron chef, I think you've earned the right to just be like, wait, you're going to come in here and try and beat me at cooking. But you're right. He's just so like, yeah. whatever, probably because he's also making tons of money from the show that even if he loses, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, but anyway, I would also agree with that. But OK, next would be if you had to watch. So we, I think I already know the answer. But if you had to watch the Bachelor, Bachelorette or Survivor. That's a great question because my most of my memories of Survivor are from the early 2000s when we kind of started to fall in love with reality TV, right? American Idol, Survivor, um, it was right around that time. So that, I mean, if we're talking like 2006 Survivor, I mean, I'm going Survivor. These days, I haven't seen it recently. So if they have that same kind of forced and artificial drama... I might go with something like Bachelor in Paradise, which is a little bit more laid back than Bachelor Bachelorette. It's a little bit less of like a creepy psycho concept of 20 dudes and one girl. It's like, you know, 50-50 mix. So, mm, uh, Bachelor in Paradise. Okay. All right. Um, so, I, I mentioned that my wife loves the show Hoarders. Um, and I, again, can't stand <laughs> it. Um, but if you had to pick between Hoarders... And my 600-pound life. Oh, man. Uh, a bullet to my brain. Option option C. <laughs> so um, my wife gave me that one because she also knows how much I hate my 600-pound life. And my response to her was, I'd rather gouge out my own eyes and cut <laughs> off my own ears. Can I just ask a genuine question here, Kristen? I mean, you know, ho- hoarding is absolutely, you know, uh, in the psych. What, what is it? The psychiatry index of a clinical illness, as is the variety of the multifactorial disease processes that lead you to being 600 pounds. At what point are we just openly mocking people with genuine clinical illness? Yes. <laughs> right, right. Okay, excellent. We're on the same page. And maybe not, maybe not necessarily mocking, but exploiting them. Yeah, exploiting. For right. entertainment. Right. Like, we don't have... My my first depression, you know, coming up next. Just, uh, uh, but if weird. anybody's listening, we patented that idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So next, um, if you had to pick between Real Housewives, any of them, or The Hills. Uh, I've never seen The Hills, uh, but my absolute fury whenever option a comes on i'm gonna say the hills just because it's got to be better it's like it's like jumping out of a plane that's on fire it's got to be better than than what i'm in right now all right okay um i've watched the hills it's pretty bad um (laughs) all right dr pimple popper 
or botched? Mm, that's a it's a good one. I'm going to say Dr. Pimple Popper. Um, I haven't seen a lot of botched. I've seen like little bits and pieces of each of these. I, I find in the little bits and pieces that I've seen Dr. Pimple Popper to be a, t- a little bit more positive about it. It's a little bit more like, hey, we all have this inner weird thing inside of us that likes to pop abscesses and stuff like that. Um, and not quite so much about plastic surgery gone wrong. And I generally speaking, I mean, this is going to be a route for a different day. I, I value plastic surgeons for what they do in terms of helping people recover from cancer treatments and surgeries to regain their confidence. Um, but I, I have a hard time getting behind a lot of uh, cosmetic surgeries and in general. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go with Dr. Pimple Popper and generally speaking, the field of dermatology over the field of plastic surgery. I feel like she generally, genuinely is trying to help people. I think so. And she seems like she just enjoys what she does. I think kind of the vibe I get. Whereas like you said, I think the, whereas like, I, I think, I think you nailed that on the head where it's just like, yes, the plastic surgery part of it um, is, can sometimes be hard to grapple with um, in terms of the reasons why people do it. Um, But, um, but yeah, if I, uh, but then there's just, I don't know there's just something about like a grapefruit sized sebaceous cyst popping that I'm just like, nope. I'm going to go barf now. <laughs> um, even though we're medical physicians. We're vets and who, we love it otherwise. Yeah, yeah. we like what if, if I'm lancing an abscess on a dog, I'm like, yeah, but humans are gross. All right. Next question. <laughs> um, all right. Dance moms or toddlers in tiaras. Oh, I don't think I have to explain either of those, even if you've oh, neither said them. Um kill me twice over because I'm afraid of what humanity has become. Maybe dance moms. Uh, I I don't know. I feel like there's a possibility that a, a child could be into dance and enjoy it as much as another kid enjoys soccer or hockey or whatever. Um, but I have a hard time believing a toddler has enough agency, uh, enough, you know, in individual intelligence to, to, to pick that on their own, that it's only the moms forcing them into it. I mean, I don't know, man. Yeah, Russian roulette. I guess dance moms. I, I I guess I guess in my mind I would have to agree because like you said, like I was into very competitive sports at a very young age, you know, traveled over North America even as young as well, five years old, really. Um now I was playing T ball, so I mean you know, a little bit different. But uh so in my mind I'm just gonna pretend that it's just like the dance version of that. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm going to pretend it is, even though I know there's so much psychosis that goes into that, um, really, from the parents perspective. And Um, it's a challenge that it's it's called dance moms. Right. right. And it's not like showcasing the kids. But yeah, I hear you. It's 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 plausible that the kids are just as into it. So, okay, I'll find that. Okay, last one. Keeping up with the Kardashians or the Jersey Shore. Christian, this is this is genuine torture. This is like, okay, I want you to think hard about all the people you love. Who would you rather die? I mean, this is just the worst possible thing. Um, it's for the fans, Chris. Okay, Jersey Shore. Um, sorry, what well, is Jersey Shore keeping up with the Kardashians? Yeah, right? I'm going to say Jersey Shore because they're both awful. But Jersey Shore gives me um, a tiny little bit of like nostalgia, like that that kind. You know, it's from a time in our lives when when we were younger and, and it's sort of, um, you know, the jokes defined our childhood. I mean, that's just an age thing more than anything else. I also am not, I'm not into that kind of this, the, that circle, you know, uh, 
Kanye and the Kardashians and the Jenners. And I don't, I don't follow that. I'm not on Instagram. I do not like social media. Um, I'm, I'm going to say Jersey shore for that one. Cause I could kind of, I could, I could get a couple beers in me and laugh at Jersey shore. So I, I, I'm going to go with your answer as well. I'm going to agree with you. And because to me, I think the Jersey shore is, uh, is harmless in comparison. Hmm. The Kardashian Jenner West, all those type of things, they have so much influence Yeah, well that said. their, um, their choices and like the idiocy of the show. I'm talking about the show specifically. They could potentially do good stuff. I know actually Kim Kardashian is doing some really good work with prison reform. So, I mean, in, in that standpoint, she actually is doing some good stuff. I say in real life, uh, I'm using air quotes there, but like then just the idiocy of the show can just, I, I think can do so much more harm or I was like, I don't think anybody takes Mike, the situation seriously. Like, you know what I mean? In <laughs> yeah, terms, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. right. Like nobody is genuinely for a, for a hot second being like, Oh yeah, I think I think Polly should run for president. You know, right. nobody's nobody's thinking that. But some people watch the Keeping Up with the Kardashians. That thought is gonna is gonna cross their mind. Yeah, absolutely. So okay, well, um, all right. Well, okay. I just had one. Do you watch home home Reno shows at all? Do you like? Do you? Um, I I used to watch. You remember Trading Spaces, right? Yes. Probably one of the original. Oh, you're watched, aging, you're aging uh, yourself. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. This is this whole thing is just an adventure in uh, in talking about how old I am. Um, I so I. I admire them and I appreciate them, but for whatever reason, Food Network is always picked before HTV okay. in the house. Because so. the one I had, because I had a one B question to my cooking or home Reno. My home Reno one B was going to be fixer upper or flipper flop. If you watch either <laughs> of those, do you watch either what, of those? Uh, I've seen flipper flop. I've never seen fixer upper. What would you pick to give me uh, a recommendation? What would well, you pick? I would watch uh, fixer upper, um, and because my wife basically models herself after Joanna Gaines. Um, and because it's more, um, uh, like they're building homes for people. It's a little more, um, like, like much like in the, the pimple popper sense you meant, like, it's actually like genuinely trying to help people. Um, not that the flipper flop people are bad, but they're literally just flipping houses to make money. Like these people come in to actually take the worst house in the best neighborhood and turn it into their dream home. Um, And there's always a cute story behind it. So I would say from like that kind of perspective, fixer upper. That's, that's beautiful. I, I'm going to age myself one final time and say, um, one of my favorite shows when I was younger was Ultimate Homemaker. Oh, Home yeah. Makeover. Yeah. The- Move that bus. Oh, man. Ty, yeah. Ty Pennington has made a comeback. He's on HGTV a lot now. And he's Is like, he really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's made a huge comeback. But that's an episode for another day. Um, but we'll take a quick break here on the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Please get in touch with the show. Dad Joke Loading Podcast at gmail.com. Would love to hear your trashy TV picks. Um, and as uh, as Chris mentioned, any of the uh, uh, you know people out there who know more about these shows than we do who want to uh, chime in um, at Loading Dad on Twitter and Dad Joke Loading Podcast on Instagram. But we're going to take a break. We'll be right back here. Um, and Chris is going to bring us in with another topic. So hang tight. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. He's Christian. I'm Chris. Thanks for listening to us again this week, and we're going to bring it back and shift gears a little bit. We've uh, been talking about TV, but you know what, Christian? I just set my TV to record something that I am jacked up for, and that is the Euros. Euro 2020. Just fresh money? From, tw- from 2021, we are listening to the 2020 Euros. 
Um, yeah, I wish it came with some Euro currency. Damn, that currency is doing well right now. Um, but uh, so I've set that to record. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm a Team Canada fan through and through, but my European team would be that of my mother's family, which is the Netherlands. They've got a pretty good chance this year. Um, and, uh, and so I'll be watching as many games, uh, as I can, and certainly all the highlights. One of the best things about the Euros, it's an expanded tournament this year. One of my favorite things about international sports, something that I think innately appeals to all of us in our inner heart is a good underdog story. And international sports is just full of underdog stories. So in the Euros, for example, they've got Finland as well as North Macedonia, both making some incredible appearances this year. Um, and I'm, I'm going to watch them lose. Not Macedonia. Game. Yeah. North, North Macedonia. Macedonia. Well, newly, newly named North Macedonia. Excuse actually, me. Yes. An, another story for another day. But my favorite underdog in the Euros this year is Scotland because they're a yeah. great team. I mean, they're an excellent team and they play England and they get some home games because the Euros for the first time is distributed across Europe. So some games are hosted in Scotland, some in England, some in Portugal, you know, take your pick. Um, and so they're going to get to play some games at home and you can bet if they let fans in that the Scottish fans are going to be losing their mind and they're in a group with England and it's going to be amazing. That is must watch television, but better yet. I mean, this is the summer of international sport. Not just the Euros, but in soccer, there's the Copa America, Gold Cup, and of course, the 2020 Olympics, also fresh from 2021. Now, we're not going to get into the epidemiology of whether that's a good medical idea or not, because damn straight, you can bet that I plan to spend my summer watching Equatorial Guinea in the second runners-up heat of two-man rowing, because that is what I am ready for this 100%. summer. 100%. Facts waxed and ready to party. So, Christian, let me ask you, first off, are you going to be watching the Olympics? Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. There is nothing better than watching, like you mentioned, the two-man rowing or, um, you know, as uh, in Canada, we've come to uh, adopt uh, the trampoline as one of mm, our yeah, uh, well good said, sports. Yeah. Um, now, I probably won't be watching most of what the rest of America is watching, Um I don't think I need to watch Simone Biles win another gold medal. I don't really think I need to watch the Americans dominate the pool. Um, you know, so I might like check in with those, but uh, uh, in those hands point, but yeah, I'm definitely going to be watching some, uh, some, uh, some Olympics this summer for sure. We Good shout with the trampoline. It gets me thinking too, but one of the other great things about the Olympics, not just watching the countries, but also uh, like learning the sports as you watch it, you know, like you tune in halfway through the shot put. And you figure, okay, they got to get it long, right? But like, why is everybody doing that? And oh, that that guy got that guy got a technical foul. Why did he get a technical foul? So you know, you're for any sports nerd, you know, just getting to get into so many different sports is great. And of course, one of the really interesting things about it is the amateurism as opposed to professionalism. Now, of course, the Olympics has changed a lot. You know, whether it's the Winter Olympics and NHL players, whether it's uh, NBA players and the Summer Olympics, um, you know, you can we could talk about uh, the Diamond League and how a lot of athletics runners are professional swimmers, obviously huge, huge endorsements, um, you know, Definitely, it's their full-time career. But for archers, you know, a lot of them could be a nurse or a doctor or, you know, some somebody, they have a, another full-time job. And I find that part so incredibly fascinating that they're elevated on this stage for a brief moment. 
So I'm going to ask you, Christian, about sort of elevating people and kind of the magic that's involved with with uh, elevating people to this highest stage is one of the one of the challenges that's faced in professional sports right now. I think we've talked about it quite extensively on a previous episode, of course, is um, uh, women's uh, professional sports and how that's an area of growth. And I think it's going to be a continued major area of growth moving forward. Um, But it's still yet to find a little bit of its footing in terms of fan support. You know, um, but what will always stick out in my mind is when I was in high school, uh, when the Winter Olympics were on at lunch break, you know, we'd leave school and the the Bell office tower just down the street in their main lobby had a free watch party for all the hockey games, Team Canada hockey games. And when Women's Team Canada was playing, uh, Team Canada women, um, I mean, it was a jam packed uh, house. Everybody was, um, you know, on Everybody knew every single player. They were into every play. People were riled up uh, about it. And it's fantastic. Everybody's united. Everybody's behind these women who have worked so hard to be there. Um, And then the Olympics go and nobody is tuning into the NWHL. Um, And I wonder, Christian, why do you think that is? Why do you think that we get so united when it comes to international sports Um, whether it's women, whether it's juniors, whether it's men, seniors, whatever, it doesn't matter. We are united and we're there watching, but that fades away for everything except the big four, big five professional sports. Everything kind of fades away. Why do you think that is? I guess I'll answer that question in two ways and I'll ask you, I want, I want you to clarify. Do you mean that in terms of the casual fan or are you asking in terms of like, for example, like why is there less investment in the NWA, for example? Mm. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say WNBA. Excuse why me. Why is there less fan uh, um, involvement? I think option B is partially rooted in the lack of the casual fans' interest. You know that it's not as easy to spark investment dollars. I mean, that's obviously a different topic for a different day. But why do you think the casual fan? Uh, you know, why do you think my neighbor is putting on his Team Canada jersey and not missing a single uh, save by Kim St. Pierre, uh, but, you know, is not going to turn in? She's so good. Calgary Inferno. Yeah, I know. Uh, by the way, we should shout out. Oh, man, I'm going to have to look her up right now. One second. One second. This year, for the very first time, um, an, a, a female a player was genuinely drafted, drafted in the OHL. into the OHL. Yeah. Taya Curry. Taya Curry is a goaltender. Um, you know, lots Shout of out. fantastic women's goaltenders over the years, men in Rayom, of course, um, have uh, have played in uh, men's hockey. And, and of course, one of the reasons is that there's no there isn't any of that, um, you know, well, we're not going to get into it. But, you know, women's hockey doesn't have body checking and it's a little bit different. But goaltenders, you know, they're just they're just stopping the puck. That athleticism is is there. Um, and there's some absolutely incredible female goaltenders. So shout out to Taya Curry, OHL uh, goalie. Um, but yeah, to, sorry, just to build on your question, the why is it do you think that the casual fan is into it uh, when Canada is playing Switzerland in the women's gold, uh, uh, sorry, semifinal, but then not watching the NWHL after? I think because it's once every four years. And I think that it is a lot easier to first... Um, support your country and then learn the specifics of the sport afterwards. Whereas 
you mentioned, like you said, I know you use Calgary Inferno as the as the example there. Like it's you know it takes more effort um, to um, follow the Calgary Inferno than it does to watch the Olympics on TV because the Olympics they jam down your throat. The World Cup they jam mm. down your throat, um, and so. Um, I think in that standpoint, you know, I'll turn on and I'm guilty of this just as much, you know, I will turn on the TV um, and, you know, whatever. And I'm obviously I'm going to stand up in my living room and cheer the hell out of that Canadian female trampoline person. I don't know anything about her trampoline or whatever, but because I see the maple leaf, I'm going to do it. Um, And so there's a level life. I think that kind of uh, I don't even know what the right term is, but just that innate patriotism i guess that when it's something from your country you're going to support it no matter what um but then after the fact when that maple leaf i know we're talking canada specifically in that standpoint but when the maple leaf comes off there's less onus or impetus to do so um and there's also a lot less coverage um of it as well so i think if it was something that if uh you know i'm obviously i live in in um western new york so for my olympic coverage it's all going to be nbc right like and so if nbc had all of the nwhl games on yeah i sure as hell might watch uh you know kim st pierre play more often or even uh this is maybe a poorer example but i mean the nwsl is starting to gain a little bit of traction here but if if christine sinclair that's right um but if nbc had all of the nwsl games on um instead of them being on like the ocho you know or or whatever you know that type of thing then you know, female soccer in this country would probably be in and Canada as well, you know, would probably be much, much more, um, you know, at, at the forefront, as opposed yeah. to like, just those people who really follow soccer. I mean, you and I, I mean, we sit here, we can talk about anything from Forge FC to, um, you know, all those types of things, those kind of like little random, but that's just because of the sports nerds that we, we are. are. Right, um, right. But like you mentioned, from a casual standpoint, you know, people are only probably going to watch those things because the Olympics is such a fanfare or the World Cup is such a fanfare. I'll admit, I'm going to watch a heck of a lot more of the World Cup than I am going to watch, um, you know, e- even, frankly, the Euros. Um, just because, yeah. for me, soccer is not up there for me. And that's just me personally. Um, you know, but I am a casual soccer fan, um, unless it uh, involves, um, well, Scotland. So I guess I should be watching Scotland, the Euros. Scotland um, or Canada. Right? Um, yeah. uh, or or if it involves Tottenham Hotspur, um, just right, because of right. the family connection there. But um, but otherwise, I'm probably not going to. Um, and so, But I am going to watch... Um, the Arizona Diamondbacks play the San Diego Padres at 1030 at night just because I can't inject enough baseball into my veins. So I guess <laughs> right. I guess for but so but for most of the Olympic sports, really, you're only going to get the casual fan. Mm. Nobody follows the trampoline league. Nobody really follows Is track and field. League? I don't know. I, I hope so. Um, uh, no one's going to follow really track and field. Right. I mean, absolutely. Um, and so take someone like Usain Bolt uh, to capture your attention. Right. right? I mean, that's that's what it takes. And so and so, yes, there are the people who uh, sign up and run the marathons and all those, you know, all that type of stuff. Um, You know, so those people are probably following all of that type of stuff. And that's because that's their jam. 
right? But for most people, like you said, unless it's like, unless Usain Bolt is running against somebody, um, you know, we're probably not yeah. going to watch. It's like, I mean, I now I'm going to age myself again. Remember um, uh, when Donovan Bailey challenged uh, what's his face? Um, uh, ben Johnson. Ben Johnson, uh, and he and he, the, he uh, uh, sky dome, right? Yeah, and he uh, <clears throat> conveniently pulled a hammy. Uh, so, and uh, but I mean, realistically, I mean, it took something like that, right? Like the call out of just like I'm faster than you. Let's do this on TV for people to really to watch people and running. Like right? you rightly say, it was Canada versus America, right? Under yeah. it was it was that innate tribalism i mean i think for me um i mean okay so we solved problem one uh, for women's sports which is more exposure so tsn sportsnet espn if you're listening don't put it on the outro you know exposure but i think the other Prime thing time. is you've hit something that that really always struck me which is um with the way the nwhl brands itself you know i i only think that there's one well-branded team in that league and that's the buffalo buttes because that is a really great branding but that tribalism needs to be tapped into. And it's something that they do in soccer. So Liverpool FC, their women's team is Liverpool FC. Um, but in hockey, for whatever reason, instead of having the Toronto Maple Leafs hockey club, this is our men's team, this is our women's team, you have the, their men's team and then, oh no, we can't involve the women in the Toronto Maple Leafs other than Haley Wickenheiser, of course. We're going to make a separate team and we're going to put them over there and we're going to brand them separately. But if that's part of your tribalism, if what you're cheering for is the Maple Leaf and it doesn't matter who's wearing it, then you should have a women's team under that same banner. And I think that would help it to grow because you tap in to that tribalism, that patriotism, because I think you've hit something on the head, um, uh, hit a nail on the head there. The you know, we've just finished the NHL season where we had the Canadian division. So we had a lot of these Canadian matchups. Of course, your team, Detroit, my team, Ottawa, didn't play each other uh, for the But the Leafs lost. <laughs> yeah, damn straight they did. So, of course, you know, you and I both. Is it have... autumn? Because the Leafs are falling everywhere. <laughs> golf, baby, golf. So, you know, you and I both, uh, based on where we grew up, we know a ton of Leafs fans and a ton of Montreal fans. Um, and all I've been exposed to for the past month is a bunch of chirping, you know, a, a bunch of uh, bets going back and forth and a little bit of, you know, joking or not so joking hatred, especially when the Leafs uh, lost uh, game seven. Um, but what it what it reminds me of is when Team Canada plays, whether it's the World Juniors or the Olympics, it's the total opposite. Everybody's united. Everybody's on the same page and you're watching it together. And so you brought up something interesting. You were talking about the American uh, coverage of, of the Olympics and how it's all all going to be Team USA. I've, I've been in America for part of the Winter Olympics before. And, you know, as you rightly say, just like CBC in Canada, Team Canada only, NBC in America is going to be. USA only. So how do you as a Canadian Christian, how do you experience that tribalism, that patriotism around the Olympics and international events while living in America? Well, much like most things, uh, it's um, it, 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 everyone here, like, again, you're going to get a bunch of uh, casual fans who all of a sudden are going to become, you know, 200 uh, meter butterfly experts, um, you know, in the next <laughs> yeah. uh, look in at that, that form in the next yeah. little while. And they're all going to have their, you know, everything is, uh, you know, USA, USA, of course. And of course, now that they're it's going to be right around Fourth of July when everything starts. So, I mean, that's they're just going to kind of go from right from one fireworks show and in, into into the next. Um 
but the one thing that I've noticed is just that like everything, and I mean, it happens in Canada too. Maybe I just feel because of the um, size that is the United States, you know, I mean, they have 10 times the population that Canada does. Um, you know, everything is just throughout the entire Olympics is just, you know, literally is just, you know, the chant of USA, USA. So it's, um, it's, and I mean, I get it. It makes sense. I mean, do Americans want to watch, uh, I'm trying to think of an example, you know, Lithuania versus Serbia in basketball. No, they want to watch the dream team. Like right. that makes right. like, I, I get that. I don't agree with it. But I get it. But I'm the type of person that you mentioned the World Juniors. When it comes on, I'm watching Kazakhstan, Switzerland at 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, from Helsinki <laughs> because that's that's just me. So, like, whereas I am a person that – I mean, even when I was living in Canada, I wanted the Canadian interest story for sure because, I mean, I'm Canadian. But I also want the story of the Estonian mother of four who, yeah. you know, this, that, and the other thing – I honestly, I feel like in the United States, we just don't get it because yeah. everything is Simone Biles, Michael Phelps. Right. You, go, you go down the list. And, and that's not to take away from those people, right? Like that's right. not to take away because those oh, athletes sure. best are the best. the best of the best. They are greatness personified in their disciplines. Um, so that's not to take away from that. But I think you mentioned kind of the uniting what brings people to the Olympics more. It's those types of stories. Mm -hmm. Um, and I honestly, um, I just, I just don't feel like in the United States, um, and this is again, the United States Olympic coverage personally, I just don't feel like we get that, um, because everything is so, so, so American focused. I think that's well said. And, and maybe it goes back to what we were saying about underdogs, you know, and that one of the unique and interesting things about the international stage is that in pro sports, it's best on best. And it's, you know, it's people who uh, com compete equally, you know, 12 months out of the year. But in the Olympics, you're going to get um, people who are thrust onto the stage and have the opportunity, while not necessarily being the best of the best, to compete against the best of the best and every once in a while win. And there is nothing more magical than that. Well, Kristen, I'm going to follow, uh, or I'm going to finish off the segment by asking you one simple question. If team Canada competed as a unit in the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, would you be there front row? Well, they're not going to beat Kobayashi, but, uh, even, <laughs> yeah. but, but yes, absolutely. I would be <laughs> exactly. And that's what it is about international sports, right? You'd watch competitive pencil sharpening, even though it might be pointless. All right. So that's uh, going to close out this segment. Um, we'll uh, come back to close out the show. Thanks for listening. Again, this is the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. We'd love for you to get in touch with us. Uh, we love hearing from you. And I think we're going to introduce some, uh, some listener uh, feedback in some of these uh, future episodes. So looking forward to that. Dad Joke Loading Podcast at gmail.com or check us out on social media, Twitter, Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. He's Christian. I'm Chris. We'll be back in a minute. Hi, I'm sound designer and composer Michael Spicer, and I want to help you with the audio in your podcast. Do you need theme music or background music in a specific genre? We've got 8-Bit. Orchestral. Orchestral. 
or just chill. Visit michaelspicermusic.com and contact me. All my social media stuff's there too, so you know, whatever you want. Goodbye. Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. We have had an absolute blast chatting with you this week. Um, Christian, buddy, it's always great to talk to you. But before we go, we are going to uh, lift the curtain a little bit, just for a little peek behind into another piece of our origin story. So uh, the origin stories we've told in the past have been, you know, maybe a little bit self-deprecating, but mostly not. A little bit funny, you know, how we met. This one is solidly self-deprecating. This Um, one is not our finest moment. (laughs) This is, quite honestly, a top five most embarrassing moment in my entire life. It's a story that definitely, I mean, you know, the people around me know pretty well, but it's it's not something I'm bringing up at work on a regular basis because it is it is not uh, our finest moment. I will say, I feel like I've learned and grown from it um, with time. What do you think, Christian? Have you learned from this moment? Have it's, you grown from this moment? It's it's one of it's one of those moments that you never think is going to happen to you, um, and it's one of those things that you literally think is only on TV um, or in a you know in a show or a documentary. Um, and until it literally happened to us. And it was one of those things that it like it, it sticks with you. It, it, it sits in your core to just be like, oh, this happens in real life. Yeah. And it happened to me. And I'm an idiot. So <clears throat> let's I'm going to I'm going to paint the scene here. So I think the year was um, 2014. I think it was. Um, I'm, I'm going to say I could be off a year there. I'm going to say 2015 because um, I believe it was our graduation trip. Was it not? Okay. Okay. 2015. You're right. You're right. Spot on the money. So spring 2015, we were in the beautiful city of Boston, Massachusetts, a great city filled with great people and awesome food. Um, and we've talked before. We've talked before about us going to Fenway Park and the great people in Boston and how welcoming they were. So please understand, Boston, that this story is in no way a reflection on the great city. So uh, we were having a great time. Uh, It was lunchtime, and uh, we were grabbing a bite to eat before we were going to the Blue Jays-Red Sox game later that night. Well, where better to go in Boston than walk along the waterfront and take in the smells of of the ocean? Um, And we went to uh, a fairly popular place. I think it's a a little bit touristy, but also, um, you know, frequented by people of the city, which is... Fenuel Hall. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Fenuel Hall. So Fenuel Hall um, is a, a historic building that's been converted into um, this really incredible food court where you can get lots of different things. Lobster rolls, I think you and I ate that day, um, but anything you want. I mean, pasta, burgers, anything. So uh, Christian and I were there with two of our friends, um, one of whom we know is an avid listener of the show. I won't mention their names, but um, we had we were having a great time. So our two friends went to go find a Grandin toy. And they went to go to a Grandin toy because they were going to make a sign for the game that evening. Can we just talk about the store Grandin toy? (laughs) Like, (laughs) sorry, just it's such a specific store. Um, But yeah, they were literally going to make a a, a sign for the game um, because we were trying to get on TV, naturally. 
Um, which we did. Which we way, ended up so. doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, also made it a lot easier for the pilots to find us that game with the beer, which uh, so if we that's remember right. from a previous episode, that's how they found us. So karma. anyway, continue. And as the story will show, there's little bits of good karma that gets sprinkled in as a result of our uh, as a result of what happened. So Christian and I are sitting there and uh, we're we're wearing Blue Jays gear. You know, I mean, we're not we're not decked out and painted up, but we both very clearly have Blue Jays hats on. I think uh, either one or both of us had Blue Jays jerseys on. Um, so we were pegged from a mile away as being uh, visiting out of towners um, who uh, who are big into baseball. Well, and I should also say too this um, the uh, I won't call it a food court because I think, like you mentioned, the Fenuel Hall is is a, is a historic brick building with this kind of. Um, uh, you know, big, um, I was going to say vestibule for lack of a better word, but or like a big kind of uh, vaulted ceiling kind of center circular area, um, you know, with open seating, big glass windows, very, very nice spots. So we've, like you said, we've kind of sat down in a relatively large crowd of people, if I can call it that, but we're pretty easy to spot. Yeah. And so we're, I mean, we've been in the city a few days now. We're starting to feel very at ease with the city. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know how to say this the right way, but you know, we're 20 something guys. Uh, you know, we've generally speaking, got our wits about us. Um, we feel confident, but unfortunately confidence breeds contempt and contempt breeds mistakes. So here we were sitting there chatting about baseball. And uh, kind of minding our own business, killing the time a little bit, you know, finishing our our sodas or whatever. God, sodas. Who am I? Our pops. My apologies. Um, and so we uh, we're sitting there, and there's a gentleman who uh, takes the takes the table just a few feet behind us. Um, we don't think much of it. He's on he's on the phone. Um, you know, seems like he's on the phone. He's got a he's got a headphone in his ear, and he's talking, and he's talking to somebody um, about baseball. Christian and I kind of perk up our ears and we, you know, why is this guy talking about baseball? And he's talking about getting uh, shots for the game that night and, uh, you know, when they need to start their pre-roll, um, you know, and, uh, you know, when when production's going to be there and uh, when they should start getting the setup. And, you know, they're looking forward to the game that night. It's going to be a good one. He name drops a few of the players in the conversation, Bautista and so on. And then he finishes the call. You know, Christian and I are looking at each other, kind of smiling, thinking, ah, what a what a great American city. Just chock a block full of baseball. Right. They love their Red Sox here. And so we're smiling. We're enjoying ourselves. And, uh, you know, at one point, the gentleman turns over to us and uh, says, hey, uh, you know, you guys looking forward to the game tonight? And we say, yeah, of course. And here we are, two dumb Canadians, friendly with everybody. Right. Nobody in the world is anything but friendly to you. And of course, we strike up a conversation, confident, um, maybe had a couple of beers in us at this point, which I think also has most to be likely. Stated. Yeah. And um, so he uh, turns to us and starts engaging us in the game, uh, talking to us about uh, how it's going to go that night. And I'm going to say that there is one red flag that sticks out in my mind at this point, Christian. I remember him pronouncing the name Edwin Encarnacion as Encarnation. And I remember thinking to myself, why would a baseball producer not know how to pronounce the name of Toronto's biggest or second biggest star at that point? But in the moment, you know, you're high off the, you know, the suds of your beer and the hot summer day and the baseball, the vacation you're on, engaging a friendly stranger in conversation about baseball. And it should be stated that Christian and I have probably had 
I mean, quite literally, probably close to a hundred conversations about baseball with random strangers in our travels in America. It's just what you do, right? And so here we are, and he's uh, talking to us about the game, and he says, uh, yeah, I'm actually going to be there. We say, oh, yeah, no no way. He says, uh, yeah, you know, I'm uh, one of the production assistants. I, uh, you know, uh, I'm one of the video producers. You know, I don't, I don't do a lot. Very clever, because we don't see him. We don't know who he is. Just a video producer. So very well spoken. He's got a great voice, definitely a voice that you would think belongs on radio or belongs in production. And he says, uh, yeah, actually, you know, we we as video producers get uh, access to, um, you know, some of the food and drink and stuff like that. Just kind of a nothing fancy. It's not first class, but it's just sort of a general um, kind of cafe and lounge for us, a place to stretch your legs. He says, I could actually probably get you in if you want. You know, Christian and I are like, yeah, sure. It's going to cost us 50 bucks. No, thanks. Right. No, thanks. Uh, we we've we've seen that con before. <clears throat> So he says, no, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it's really nothing. If you already have a ticket, I think it's like 20 bucks. I could probably get you in for like $12. God, $12. I shot $12 yesterday. So, um, in lobster roll. Yeah, we think that's pretty reasonable, but you know, sorry, buddy, there's four of us actually. Um, so, you know, we, we won't, uh, you know, we won't be able to pay for them. He says, that's okay. You know, I'll, I'll get you all in. Um, you know, 12 bucks is really nothing. Right. So, you know, that'll be what about $48. We think in that moment, I never, ever, I thought I, I thought I was the smartest, most streets forward, streets ahead, streets ahead, community reference for the day. Um, you know, never going to get con guy in my, in my entire life. I felt like the cock of the walk, but in that moment, it happened so fast, so goddamn fast. And Christian and I look at each other and we got, before we know it, our wallets are out of our pocket. And together, Christian and I cobbled together 60 bucks. And we're a little bit skeptical, like just for a brief moment that flashes through our mind. But he says, you know, just watch my bag for a moment. And he puts a backpack down beside us. And he says, I'll just be right down. He says, um, you know, I'm I'm a a part, what did he say? A part worker, part manager of um, one of the restaurants downstairs. It's uh, where I've got my home base. And I'm just going to run down, grab those passes for you. I'll be right back up. Just watch and, my and, back. And and I should I should point out here two things. One of which is partway through the conversation, he pointed to a gentleman across the room taking photos yes. with his iPad oh, and said, "Yes, I'm yeah. here with my camera guy." And he pointed yeah. to that guy. Good 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 on you. Yes. And the yes. other thing that he did was is he did name the restaurant that he worked at, which now I can't remember, but he named it by name and he said he was a part owner of the restaurant. Um and he was at, yeah, he was going to go down and get us the passes and our change. And I just want I mean anybody listening right now is like, "Wow, Christian and Christian are the dumbest people I've ever met in my life." But that's what's so fascinating. If somebody told me this story, you know, I would, I'd be smelling the stench off of it. Right. But in that moment, it is incredible how, how immediately quick you, you just get trust in somebody, you know, as a foreign visitor, you put your faith in other people. So, um, he says, watch my bag. And that immediately felt legit. He's got a nice looking backpack right here beside him. Uh, who would leave a backpack behind? Right. And, and it's, it was there. It's not our backpack. It's at an empty table. So, uh, he takes our money and he goes, took 20 seconds. I mean, if that 20 seconds before Christian and I 
looked at each other. I remember him, his eyes across from me at the table. I remember the banister right beside me on my left. I remember watching him walk down that spiral staircase down the rotunda. He got maybe 10, 10 steps out of sight. And I felt that lack of 20 bucks burning a hole in my pocket and thinking, we just got conned. And, and I remember Christian and I looking at each other as this, this realization came across our face. And we looked at the backpack and we're like, no, no, we didn't get conned. And I will always remember that moment where we, in that moment, plucked up the courage to just say, let's just fucking open the backpack, right? It's not, I mean, let's just do it, right? He's not going to see. We open the backpack and it's full of empty plastic bags. And in that moment, we knew he left us with trash and he ran out with our cash and we got conned. It's the only time I've been conned like that in my life. And I hope that it will be the last. So Christian and I immediately spring up from our seat. Like we've got, we've got the, the fires of fury and energy pounding through our hearts, coursing through our veins. We're going to find this. Can we swear on our podcast? Have we established our profanity policy on this podcast? You dropped an F-bomb like 15 seconds ago. So. Yeah, so th this fucker, we're going to run and race after this guy and find him. So we sprint. I mean, my my legs are burning and, it, and we just run. So first we run outside Finule Hall and we just run around it. It's pretty empty. I mean, we feel like we can find this guy. Uh, we give it, you know, five, ten minutes, maybe nothing. Guy is gone like like a bat in the night. So we go to that restaurant who he, of course, isn't the fucking part owner of. Right. I mean, like at this point, just so obvious. And we we you know, we ask the server, like, have you heard of this guy who's, you know, involved with the with the production and she goes, Oh no, I haven't heard of him, but I, I have heard that there's a guy who hangs around here and kind of says stories like that. And in that, I mean, in that moment, Christian and I looked at each other. We knew we were idiots. We knew we were out 60 bucks. Um, and we had made one of the dumbest decisions of our lives. So we told our friends, uh, not right away. I'm going to say that we told them a little bit later once we kind of plucked up the courage to do so. But uh, Christian, I think in the end, there was one reason why we felt comfortable uh, with this story. And I should say, I don't hold, I don't harbor a lot of ill will towards the guy because damn, I learned the talent that it takes. When you think about him pointing out that guy with the iPad, this is not his first rodeo, you know, but there was one thing that allowed the blow to be a little bit softer, sweeter. Do you remember what that was? Well, I do. And first off, I was going to say a part of it, like in hindsight, was just like, man, I got to be in like an Ocean's Eleven movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'm you uh, know? what who's the what's the name of the um, the casino owner from the first one that they're trying Benedict to Benedict uh, is his last Benedict, name. Benedict, Terry Benedict. Or, yeah. 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 I was Terry Benedict. I, yeah, moment. exactly. I was Terry Benedict. And he uh, he conned me out of my Julia Roberts. But um, <laughs> um I do you remember when we told the other guys? I don't specifically. Was it before we went to New York or was it? It, it was. Yeah. So we didn't tell them right away. Uh, we went to the game and then it was after the game. Uh, I think we were in the hotel that night and we told them. OK, yeah. so uh, as, as Chris mentioned, this was part of a road trip that we did. We we long story short, started in New York at the Yankees, went to Boston and then came back to New York to see the Mets. Um, and we were at the Mets game. And they were playing the Nationals and, uh, you know, as you know, get to the game, want to grab a beer, this, that and the other thing. And I went to go hit up an ATM. And there was 80 bucks just sitting in the ATM. Like 
with nobody and around. i and, there, and there, it wasn't like there was a line it wasn't like the person in front of me like there was like there the 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 immediate vicinity around the atm was empty literally and, empty and I so think one person walked and by. so i think you know we looked you know kind of looked at each other and you know looked around figured you know i'm, I'm gonna grab it but i'm gonna hold on to it and just and we asked one guy. Though yeah. we genuinely asked again. Us being way too trusting, right? And but so we asked and one guy I figured and like, no, no. we'd we'd hang out. I I got my own cash out. Um, and figuring, okay, well, I'll get my own cash out. Somebody's gonna have to come back for this. Like it's eighty dollars. You don't. I don't think anybody goes to the a- ATM at the Mets game and eighty dollars is only is such a small portion of what they removed that they don't remember. So and we waited and waited and waited. And, uh, and, and nobody came. So after all of that, for that entire trip, uh, Chris and I actually ended up 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if, if karma. karma, if karma can say anything is that, uh, you know, sometimes it does, uh, you know, it does come back around and, and find you in a good way. Um, and so we somehow ended up, uh, up 20 bucks after that. So, a good way to live your life. I like to think sometimes that what happened was that gentleman took our 60 bucks, spent it, then earned it back, felt like he owed us interest, followed us to New York, put it in the cash machine, said, here you go. Here's your payback. So I, uh, you know, it was, it's one of those things where before it happened, I never thought it would happen. After it happened, I've never thought it would happen again. And yet in that moment, it happened so fast. One of the greatest moments of our origin story. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Um, As always, I'd like to extend some thanks and shout outs to the people who allow this to happen. Producer Ryan, um, incredible guy, long suffering. Check out his podcast, Dole Whips and Double Doubles, which is just so fun to say. Dole Whips and Double Doubles. Uh, Michael Spicer from Michael Spicer Music for all, literally every single piece of incredible audio you hear other than our terrible voices that make it worse. Well, you did say incredible Um, audio. So the incredible audio you hear is from Michael Spicer. Yeah, yeah. If, it, if it's good, it was from him. And if it's not good, it's from us. Um, Vishal Murthy, the vet cartoonist, incredible illustrator. Um, I mean, this, and one of the smartest people I know. Um, and our wonderful and beautiful wives and daughters who are the reason that we do this and the reason we get up in the morning. Despite the so, trash TV that they watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, still not watching Real Housewives. But we love them and they are angels. Um, so... Thanks for listening to us this week. We will back. We will be back again with you next week to do it again. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of our past, actually. Uh, some interesting sides of Christian that you may not know too much about. A little interesting side of me you might not know too much about. So we'll just let that float in the wind before you jo- join us next week. So take care. I'm Chris. He's Christian. And we are the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. We'll see you next week. 